Military Wire with Mike Schindler. You all know this. This is the podcast where we interview some of America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. And I, I'm super excited about today's guest and today's topic. The topic is veteran employment and the value veterans bring to the marketplace. I think this is relevant to anybody who has ever served this country. And our guest, Dan Goldenberg, who is the executive director of the Call of Duty Endowment, is going to unpack this issue for us. Very excited about that. Before I jump into really introducing Dan, though, and his organization, Call of Duty, I, I want to put a shout-out to this segment's sponsors, Honest Talk International and Circle for Parents. Both these organizations have a vetted network of experts who are standing by to help our listeners navigate issues related to nutrition, fitness, parenting, relationships, intimacy-related issues. So visit their sites, honesttalkinternational.com and circleforparents.com. Dan Goldenberg, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mike. Great to be here. Yeah, I, I love that you're on the show. First of all, I love that uh, you and I share having served the world's greatest Navy, so I just want to put that shout out. <laughs> Thanks, shipmate. Yeah, no kidding. So for our listeners, Naval Academy graduate, he uh, also Harvard Business School grad, a captain in, uh, in the Naval Reserve, uh, he was named to the Mighty 25 Veterans to Watch in 2017, former Corporate Senior Vice President of Growth and Partnership Services at Frost & Sullivan, uh, which is a global research and management consulting firm. And prior to that, you served as Senior Director and Practice Manager at CEB. Uh, great corporate experience, great military experience, and you've got a great quote that I want to share with our listeners you said the leadership, initiative, and creative problem-solving veterans draw from their military service has the potential to transform organizations that hire them. Dan, how did you come to this conclusive statement? Yeah, Mike, I think it's really from two directions, both quantitatively based and experientially based. On the, on the quantitative side, there's been uh, some great research done by organizations like, for instance, CEB, which is now part of Gartner, where they, they studied over a million Fortune 500 employees, and they were able to distill the differences between veteran and non-veteran employees. And the really interesting thing was you hear about the business case for hiring veterans all the time, and often when you dig into them, it's, it's quite frankly a lot of fluff. This is the exact opposite. This is hard numbers, and what what CEB learned was that four percent, or excuse me, veterans are four percent more productive than non-veterans, and three percent more likely to stay. So when you combine those two things, you have a real like hard dollar business case for why uh, you know veterans are a great investment and, and the contributions they make to your organization. They're going to get more done for you, and they're going to stick around. Um, the, uh, the, the, the sort of experiential side is after I left the military, I spent a decade in the, in the corporate, in true corporate roles, and I saw the transformational effect skilled leaders could have. And a lot of the leadership qualities we take for granted within the military are not commonly found in the civilian world. Um, there's not a sort of leadership gateway you have to pass through uh, to make it in the corporate world. A lot of it's learned on the fly or perhaps in business schools. But uh, I'll be honest with you, when I went to business school, I didn't learn much about leadership. Everything I've learned about leadership, it really came from my first few years in the Navy um, where, you know, as a relatively young person, um, I had a 
a large amount of responsibility, and, and the military did a good job giving me the tools um, that I needed. And these tools are, you know, pretty basic things that sound almost trite to folks who've served in the military. Um, you know, things like praise in public, criticize in private, um, yeah. you know, focus yeah. on the mission, all, all, uh, you know, take care of your people. Um, but they're not things you necessarily find commonplace in the corporate sector. So a leader there with those kind of disciplines and experience can really make a difference. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's such a great reminder, too, to praise in public, criticize in private. I mean, that was – and you're right. Oftentimes in corporate, we miss that. That is not a – you know, that's not a trait that's, that's uh, you know, seen throughout corporate America oftentimes. And, and to your point – uh, we do, in fact, see it uh, certainly within the military. So, Dan, you lead an organization, uh, Call of Duty Endowment, I think in its 10th year. Uh, it was the brainchild of Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick, um, whose mission has really been to help veterans find high-quality careers by supporting groups to better prepare them for the job market. And, and you recently released a research study showing that one-third of working veterans are underemployed, and a 59% increase in veterans asking for help. So you just framed all the qualities we bring to an organization, yet we've got a good number, a third of these folks that are, that are underemployed, 59% increase in veterans asking for help. Well, why do you think this is the case? Well, sure. Let me take a step back first and, and talk about yeah. kind of how, how, how we've gotten here. Um, the First of all, the U.S. unemployment rate, uh, while interesting, is unfortunately not really representative of the reality on the ground. Um, you know, it's something that's referenced, oh, look how low veteran unemployment rate is. What, what determines the U.S. unemployment rate and thereby the veteran unemployment rate is an answer to one question. That question is, last week were you paid for work? Last week were you paid for work? So if you answer that question, yes you are counted as fully employed. So if you're a guardsman or reservist drilling but don't have a civilian job, you're employed. If you're a barista for five hours a week, you're employed. If you mowed your neighbor's lawn for 50 bucks, you're employed. So it's not a good measure of employment. A much better measure is understanding, hey, how are people doing financially? How, how much money are they making? How many hours a week are they working? Um, you know, compared to their skill set and experience. And when you take a look that way, uh, you get a very different answer. Um, and so we actually were approached by a company called ZipRecruiter, uh, which is one of the largest resume aggregators in the world. And they said, well, you know, we're seeing a funny thing. We ha are having far more veterans coming to us, uh, putting their information in their database than we would have expected. Uh, in fact, about half a million of them. Uh, that's more than the U.S. government says are unemployed. And this is just one company, right? So they wanted to understand what was going on, and we were interested in that as well. So we brought in a terrific researcher in the veteran space, followed that, by the way, uh, named Phil Carter. And, and Phil had access to this information and did this analysis um, that ultimately resulted in the study. Uh, and he was able to look at those half a million resumes um, and, and analyze them and, and see the difference between how veterans with those resumes and non-veterans were doing and, and how things were different. And that's how we found out um, that veterans were working beneath their skill set and experience. And that's really the definition of underemployment. Um, you know, I think how we get there is a lot of transitioning service members don't take their transition seriously enough early enough. Um, and, it, you know, and it's likely because they were road hard, put away wet, and by the time they can actually focus on transition, they realize, wow, I need a source of income, any income, whatever I can get. So they grab that first job, and quite frankly, the 
resources the Department of Defense, the VA, and, and the Department of Labor put in front of them through TAP or Transition GPS, you know, it's 100 Marines in a classroom with one or two facilitators. It's not right. personalized. It's not customized. Um, and it's just insufficient to get you that high-fit job that's going to result in full employment as opposed to underemployment. Well, yeah, you, this is an interesting point. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you know, SFO, TAP, you know, these programs really start 12 months prior to transition. And so I think DOD would probably argue that, wait a second, we're really preparing these folks these men and women for transition and a smooth or what they call a warm handoff. And what, what you're finding in the research is that, in effect, really isn't the case. It's too general and it needs to be more specific. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Uh, there, there's a lot wrong with it. Um, that's part of it. Uh, you know, the fact is, who's administering the system? Well, it's administered by people on active duty. Right. So, you know, yep. your company commander uh, may be responsible for that 12 month uh, process. Well, guess what? That company commander has never had to find a civilian job before. And oh, by the way, they've got a mission to take care of. You know, DOD is about fighting and winning the nation's wars, not about making civilians. So that's the first thing. So believe it or not, that's probably not going to be the first thing on your commanding officer's priority list is getting you successfully transitioned. Um, it's also not personalized. So let's take a Navy example. Um, in transition GPS or TAP, your TAP class, you could have an 04 lieutenant commander nuclear engineer, and you could have a bosun's mate, E4 bosun's mate, um, with you know, radically different skill sets and, and experiences and education, they're given the same transition program, right? Chances are that lieutenant commander is going to find a great job, um, uh, no problem, right? But that E4 um, is probably going to need a lot more help. It doesn't matter. They get the same transition experience. It just doesn't make any sense. I think it's a, they give you some good basic starting information, but one, as an individual, you have to be ready to take it seriously, and two, you know, it needs to be customized to your needs. And that's that's really where the partners we work with at the Call of Duty Endowment, that's where these nine U.S. organizations, and two in the U.K., by the way, um, are so great. They step in to give that personalized attention at zero cost um, to, to the service member or veteran um, because we, we cover all those costs. Uh, and they can give you that personalized attention that you need and make sure you're focused on your transition. You, you kind of need a call to you know, a battle buddy, a running mate for a squids. Um, you know, you need someone to make sure you're tracking because you have a day job you have to take care of. And yeah. you need someone who kind of knows that world um, and is going to keep you on track. You know, that's, that's, that's an interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, you shared uh, a couple different things, and I really want to unpack this. You know, your study shares that, you know, veterans tend to leave their first jobs after military service faster than non-veterans. Uh, leave their first jobs. And I think part of it is you attributed that to the fact that they don't take their transition seriously. Uh, and they're also waking up to the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm getting out. I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got rent. I've got car payment. Um, my capacity to find that career is small at this point because I'm a bit desperate. So how do, how do our men and women break that cycle of, listen, I'm going to take the first job knowing that I'm going to probably leave it. At least that's what the research says. So how do you break that cycle? Is it working with these partners that you guys work with? 
Yeah, it absolutely is. Just as one example, um, the average. So we first of all, it starts with us defining what is a quality job, right? Um, you know, I've heard people throw around terms like you know, 21st century jobs and all that. Well, I'd argue a, 20, a great 21st century job is being a plumber. If you've had, had to apply, you know, hire a plumber yeah, lately, um, yeah. you know, they, they do all right financially. They yeah. can't be offshored. Um, you know, the average age of plumbers in this country is like 58. So you know, there's plenty, plenty of room. You can run your own business. You know, it's not necessarily working with robots. And oh, by the way, that can't be replaced by artificial intelligence. So, um, you know, so like, what is a quality job? But, but in all seriousness, um, you know, we look at three factors. We look at a salary. We look at retention rates, and we look up at full-time versus part-time. So our partners have landed jobs just last year. Um, the average starting salary was over $58,000. Um, six months after placement, 87% of those vets were still in those jobs. Uh, 12 months, mm -hmm. it was 80%. And um, the, as far as full-time, 93% of those roles were full-time. So those are the kind of benchmarks we go after. I, I would also mention, while the, the Department of Labor does their best, um, they don't measure those things on the jobs you're placing bets into. A job is a job, and we respectfully disagree. Well, I think you're spot on about that. And I, what I also love is your cost per placement in 2018 was $522. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yo, thank you. It's, uh, you know, our partners do better every year. Uh, you know, if we just focused on cost, we wouldn't be doing our mission. Uh, but, you know, the lower the cost, the more vets we can help find jobs. So that's why it's important to us. And, and our partners work with a whole spectrum of vets from those who are transitioning service members. Uh, a good example there is Hire Heroes USA. They're amazing working with transitioning service members. They're getting on bases. They're doing these small workshops. So instead of 100 vets or, excuse me, 100 transitioning service members, in a room with one facilitator, there's one facilitator for three or four uh, service members sitting in the room. So they get that personalized attention, and it's followed up by counseling until uh, these individuals get jobs. We have other organizations like KC, Corporate America Support to You, uh, who focus especially on guardsmen and reservists. And then we have another uh, bunch of different organizations that focus on what we call high barrier to employment veterans, those who have you know challenges beyond just getting a job, be it mental health, physical health, um, or uh, you know, housing or whatnot. So they're, 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 they're giving even more personalized, more holistic attention um, to, to ensure that. But ultimately, um, you know, I think these, uh, when, you're, when you're transitioning out or, or a veteran out already, to, to land in that job that's going to be a good fit, you need someone who's objective, who knows what the job market's like, who has relationships with employers, and is going to help you answer three questions. You need to have an effective job search. You need to be able to answer three questions. Where do I want to live? What industry do I want to work in? And what function do I want to perform within that industry? Um, and most people don't have a too hard time figuring out what their geography uh, is going to be, though, though data tells us that most transitioning service members tend to either stay where they left the military or go back to where they came from. Um, so that's, that's useful to know. But geography is the first one. Industry, that's really, do I want to be in healthcare? Do I want to be in aerospace? Do I want to be in security? Whatever, whatever it is. Function is the one that tends to be the hardest for veterans to figure out because it's really, you know, if you ask a civilian what is a bosun's mate, 
do? What does the bosun's mate do? They're going to have a hard time answering that question. Well, you ask your typical transitioning service member, what does the marketer do? They probably won't have a clue either, right? So it's really gaining an understanding of, of that. So if you can triangulate on those three things, you're probably in pretty good shape for looking for a job and assessing whether you're ready to get one of those jobs. Maybe you need an internship. Maybe you need more experience. Maybe you need some more education. Or maybe you're ready. But you need someone to help you navigate that personally. And that's why our partners have been so successful at this. Well, and I think what people need to pay attention to, and, and Dan, I, I want to reiterate this point again, because I think it's so important for our listeners, is is code, you guys and your partners have been responsible for 93% of job play, placements that were full-time work. And 80% of those six-month retention rates, so or 87%. So that means that you guys are really, I mean, you're, you're aligning mission purpose and values for these individuals in, into the right companies and their viable jobs. And I think that's the point that you're driving home. I, I, the other part, and I know we kind of joked about the plumber, but I, I got to tell you, I think I'm on the same boat with you in this. It was, I have talked to a number of, of men and women and said, listen, if you're going to pick a profession, you should be an electrician or a plumber because those those trades are high paying and there's such a need. I mean, think about it. I, I, I don't know that I can do electrical work anymore. And God knows I hate doing plumbing work, and I'm willing to pay for it. And I think more and more people are going that route, at, you know, when we look up. So do you guys work in those fields at all, or is that – Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. In fact, there's um, a, a nonprofit we, we've recently connected with. Uh, just to give you an example, one I'm super bullish on. So high, let's talk about high-tech manufacturing jobs. Um, there's supposedly almost a million unfilled high-tech manufacturing jobs in this country. They pay very well. Um, it's, it's in many ways the future of our economy. And um, yet there's, there's a million unfilled jobs. Why is that? Well, there's not a lot of young Americans who either want to do that kind of work or have, because you do need some basic level of education. You have to be able to do math, uh, you know, you know, to be able to fill these, these roles. There's an organization called Workshops for Warriors out of San Diego. They're amazing. They have, unfortunately, they have a wait list, um, for vets who want to do this work, but they, you know, they teach them additive manufacturing. So it's like, uh, 3D printers, um, all kinds of high tech welding and everything. And they have a 100% placement rate. And these are companies like Tesla and SpaceX and GE, you know, companies that really value this. Um, And, you know, the jobs are there. And this training program, of course, vets being vets, um, they get them through this program in about half the time of civilian programs um, because we know how to train people, right? So, um, uh, you know, there's there's an appetite. Employers snatch these these vets right up. um, And there's an ability for for vets to get this kind of training. You have to have the, the desire to do it, obviously. Um, and again, like the trades you mentioned, uh, plumbing, electrical, um, those the people doing that work are getting older and older, um, and there's not a lot of uh, backfill in the uh, you know on the horizon. So I think there's great opportunity in those roles as well, and they pay they pay well, and, and there's a lot of job security. Oh, man, I love that. So I and I, I know we're getting close to our time. So what advice? Dan, you know, you're working with companies, you're working with veterans, so I want, to, I want to bifurcate these two. What advice do you have for companies looking to hire veterans? Yeah, so the biggest advice I, I would say is, um, you know, veterans' resumes look different, and I think that becomes a barrier. It's really important for veterans to know the purpose of a resume is 
to kick a door open. It's to give you the opportunity to interview. That's what the point of a resume is. And so the organizations we work with, we, we encourage vets to go to our website, click on the Veterans tab, and, and we can get help link you up with the right partner there. But it's basically your calling card. It's your uh, marketing device to sell yourself into a company on why they should give you an interview. So the companies, we say, be – be be open-minded with these resumes. Give qualified veterans. We never advocate hiring anyone who isn't qualified. We definitely want you to hire the best person. But give qualified veterans a chance. The resume is a little different, but it's clear they have the basic skill sets. Give them a chance to interview. Um, vets will tend to do very well in interviews from the data we've seen, um, but they need that opportunity. They need to be able to get in the door and explain why their skills are relevant. And if you're worried about being able to explain that, um, you know, you can work with or, or from a veteran standpoint, you can work with our, our partners to do that. From a company standpoint, uh, you can also work with our partners, and they're listed on the Partners tab of, our, uh, of the Call of Duty and Emma website. Um, these organizations will work with you to help you understand these veterans and why you know what, why their experience is relevant to you. So really, give my, my, my big ask of companies is give them a chance to interview for these roles. They won't disappoint you. And what about for transitioning service members? You said, number one, they don't start soon enough. What else yep. do they need to be paying attention to and doing? Well, get get your battle buddy, get your running mate, and, you know, whether that's someone, a vet who's already transitioned that you know, use LinkedIn. Veterans are um, generally don't have very good networks. You need to build one. LinkedIn's the best way to do it, in my opinion. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out, especially to fellow veterans for help. Someone who's find someone on LinkedIn who's doing what you want to do and reach out to them. Um, there's great um, if you you know, like I said, I encourage you to work with our partners. But there's some great resources out there. There's a um, a site called Veterati, V-E-T-E-R-A-T-I, and they will connect you with a, a, a mentor in the industry you're interested in for free, um, who's volunteered to help transitioning service members. Um, so get out there, talk to people who are doing what you want to do. That's you know incredibly powerful advice. Um, but you need some, you need kind of a forcing mechanism. It might be your spouse, it might be uh, you know like you said a battle buddy, or one of the organizations we work with to stay on you to make sure you're kind of you have a transition plan that makes sense for you as an individual, not one you get from being in a classroom with a hundred other folks. Uh, such great advice, Dan. So how do, how do people find you and your partners? How do they find the Call of Duty, and how do they get connected with you guys? Yeah, so just go to callofdutyendowment.org. So that's .org. Uh, and you can click click on uh, the veteran tab, and you'll see veteran support. Or you can click on um, our partners to check out the uh, 11 different nonprofits we currently work with. Um, but we are, we are here to help you. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, wonderful. Dan, again, thanks for being on the show. Grateful for what you guys are doing. Such great success. Listeners, be sure that you check these guys out, callofdutyendowment.org. Don't delay. Make sure that your transition is purposeful. Make sure you get transitioned into that job and continue to add value to this country. Dan, again, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Mike.